back where we belong in studio. Live streaming on our YouTube channel, Sportsnet YouTube channel, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and wherever you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Welcome aboard, Real Kipper and Born, Derek Brandeo. We'll welcome in Hal Moravnik. There you go. See how smooth that person is? Nice. Any the way I pronounce that? And and you asked him how to pronounce his name. You Like, that's respectful. It's important. Producer Sammy McKee. And in for Justin Bourne, who's spending quality family time together. He'll Nice. He'll be back with us tomorrow, live streaming, is Gord Stelvich. <laughs> Stel- Stelvich. Stelvich. Why Stelvich? Because that's... No, How originally you? No, were originally named? it was Stella Check. Oh, Stella Check. Yeah, like uh, like John Havlicek and Alexander Dubček. So my dad came. from... Nobody really knows that. Yeah. So there. So they, so he Canadianized it to Stellick, which actually is kind of a cool name. I was kind of close though, wasn't I? A little bit. Stelvich. What'd you say again? I don't know what I. What said. What about Kiprios? What is that? It's and, actually Kipreos. Kipreos. Yeah. And it was. It wasn't a longer name that was shortened. No. Uh, as far as I I know, no, it was not. But mm-hmm. uh, a much different. Uh, pronunciation. I was, Opa! And, and then, and then, I don't know. My dad got convinced that Kiprios is easier. Uh, I was out at uh, Carbuzzi, really good Greek restaurant. Oh, Avenue Road. Yeah, and with the Ioannos, who are, um, I think Greek. Greek. Yes. Are, you got to get it right if you're Greek or Macedonian. But uh, and they're just talking about how there's there used to be. Are they changing it? There were only like six boys' names. Greek kids, right? Nick, like Nick, Nick, yeah, Gus. Like Nick was one of them. Gus was one of them. <laughs> George, they, Louis. That's it. That's it. Yorios. They, they named them all. So there's six different boys' names. I think that's widened out a little bit. Well, thanks for coming in. Um, I, hey, you're, we're like family. You kidding me? This could be the first time in 18 years, Kipper. Uh, all those years at Sportsnet when we were covering the playoffs and they actually would win playoff rounds up till 2004. So I'm pumped. I'm ready. And I, I want to play this because I think it kind of sets the tone going into okay. a, a, a game six. This is of uh, this is Sammy McKee on his <laughs> on his Twitter handle, and I will say this: that if he did something like this a year ago, nobody would have known he had like three followers before he became a star on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Now I think he's up to like twelve thousand people, so he feels compelled now right. to send out this message let's have a listen i have a very simple message for the toronto maple leafs tonight please win <laughs> that's it pretty well it sounds like a hostage it does. Yeah, I'm, like, not sure. like it I'm not sure what it sounds but yeah and and it was it, he got that out i think at 6 20 a.m <laughs> yeah how, right? long, how long did it take him to write it it took me a long wow jeez that's does beautiful that, gord does that sum up Leaf Nation in a nutshell yeah. there. Yeah. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you here. That, Please win. Yeah. The last game seven where I don't know if Sammy, you know, I was with, uh, yeah, with Savvy. So you were producing Sammy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. With Mark Savard mm-hmm. and coming in this building for that game seven, which again was a debacle. Freddie Anderson led a goal in that was um, geometrically impossible to let in, what have you. And I remember being in the elevator and some Rogers employee, some woman, nice, whatever, just, I didn't think knew me from Adam. And all of a sudden, she's about to get off. She goes, do we really have a chance tonight? Like, you know, probably does. And, like, and basically that was it. And I said, yes. And I was wrong. So that, that is right. That's the mood. Just please win. Please win. When the home team wins game five to take a 3-2 series lead, they go on to close out a series 
80% wow. of the time. That is a huge number. Yeah, didn't happen three years ago against Boston. Yeah. Game six, Easter Sunday, one nothing lead. You were there, Kippy, Air Canada Center. I don't mean to bring it, but, you know, so, yes, 80%, but odds mean nothing with this team right now. They mean, like, 18 years without a playoff series win. Game seven after game seven after game five after game seven, game seven losses. Dramatic come-from-behind win in game five. How does it tee up the elimination game for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Let's go to a Kipper's Clipper, the first one of our show on how do we close this thing out, Sheldon? You know, I think, if anything, that we've learned along the way, you know, it's it's that you can't get um, can't get too focused on the fact that it's an elimination game or anything like that. I mean, all these things go without saying. You know, you know what you're playing in, but you, you have to focus on the things you've done well in the series. You have to focus on continuing to get better in the series. Focus on your game and just go out and play. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Yeah, he sounded like Sammy. Actually, he took what Sammy wanted to say and stretched <laughs> Please, it out a bit. I listen. I don't care how it happens. I don't care what happens. I just just win. It's a simple. It's a simple formula. You have the ability to do it. You have the players. You have the horses. You've done it there already once. You can go down there and you can win because you have to avoid a game seven. That's 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 my that's the unspoken part of my six seconds Twitter video that I put out. With the inconsistencies that we've seen throughout, there's a part of me that expects the Leafs to play their most full, complete game of the series. I share that part. Is there is there a sense that uh, they still owe that to themselves? I, I Particularly after not doing it the last two games. and I, I mean, game four, I still am in shock about game four, how they came out, how they didn't come out. How the lack of compete, the lack of pushback, the lack of any, I mean, the mental smarts things that went on. So last game, and I know Justin Bourne wrote a column about it on sportsnet.ca that the first period wasn't as bad as you think, but, you know, you're down 2 nothing. That's not good. So uh, obviously, and Jack Campbell made some huge saves, and they all came back. But So I'm just thinking how they came out in game number one, how they came out in game number two. Um, this, is, this is, you know, even though they lost game number two, they came out real strong. And this is what you're hoping you see that kind of team tonight. Yeah, you're right. That you owe it to yourself. Don't dig yourself a hole. You've already played that card. You can't play that too many times coming from behind against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Sammy, for you, what, what constitutes a, a, a good start here? Is it uh, all of 20 minutes to see what the score looks like? Is it the first 10 minutes? Will your nerves calm down after the first or second shift that you see? How much do you need out of this game? Six. To, to swing your emotions. If I'm drawing it up, I would like it to be a one-goal lead either way heading into the second period. I just I don't want a repeat. And game four, like Gordo mentioned there, shook me to my core. That was one where you expect them to go out there and play really well and the, they're prepared and it seems to be better starts from this team and they kind of look like uh, previous versions of Leafs in the playoffs. So I think you want it to be a one-goal lead either way. I don't care if it's Tampa. I don't care if it's Toronto. You just want it to be close. You don't want to let them get going in that building, knowing they're facing elimination the first 10 minutes. I mean, it's a classic hockey thing. Like, it's not like I'm breaking news here, but the first 10 minutes of a road game where you have a chance to for elimination is an 
incredibly important part of the game tonight. And I, I just really hope that they come out with the same jam they did in other games in this series. So why would you not want them to have a 3 nothing lead after the uh, first period? I mean, I, I would love that. Okay, but just I'm just, to be clear. But he's just yeah, trying to I'm, stay realistic, trying, I think. I'm trying to stay within okay. the realm here. Okay. You know, like I, I really, I would love a 3 nothing lead, but maybe mm-hmm. that's not a good thing because you've seen what the Leafs have done with three-goal three, uh, three goal leads in other playoff series uh, in years past. But I, I do think they just need to keep it close after the first. One of the things that John Cooper can hang his hat on is that going back home and and getting the key matchups, and is that enough to uh, feel like this one would push it to a seventh game? I think so. I think for him, and uh, that games three and four, uh, even though Leafs won one of them, Matthews and Marner were neutralized a lot more with the last change by you know getting Sorelli out and whatever he wanted to do. So... Yeah, I, I, and that's what was great. The depth players came up in game number three for the Leafs, but that's going to be a big part tonight, obviously. All right, let's 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 go to Sheldon on uh, on the pressure that that may put on a, a Matthews and a Marner. Yeah, I mean, I think if they play the way they did the other night, I think that'll, that'll, you know, that'll take them a long way, right? I mean, Austin in particular, you know, 200 feet of the ice, the way you're skating and competing and winning, winning pucks back and all of that, that really goes a long way, but... You know, their play on the road here hasn't gone as well, but I think it's been a reflection of how the games have gone. Like, we, as a team, we haven't been able to carry play very well here. So it's been really tough there. It's tough to get any, any favorable matchups, but it's also tough to get favorable shifts. Like, it seems like we've been on our heels a lot in this building. So that's an area for us as a team. If we can get going and get on, get on our toes and, and really establish our game, and carry forward what we did in game five that will help all of our players. Also, let's not throw Matthews and Marner into the game for the first time after three and a half, yeah. four minutes, yeah. right? And down to nothing. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And that's, yeah, put them out there at the start. What the hell? Like, like, hey, that's your strength. The guy just got not Matthews just got nominated for the Hart Trophy. Mitch Marner's playing as well. He's probably the best Leaf outside of Jack Campbell, playing as well as anybody is in the playoffs pretty well. Get him out there. Power on power. Let them figure it out. One of the things that stood out for me the most uh, so far in this series is uh, the image of Matthews hitting Sergeyev. Say what you will. Should there have been a penalty? Should there not? I don't really care at this point. All I care is it's nice to see <laughs> someone other than uh, someone wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform this time of year, uh, slow to get up. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's why perception is reality too, Kipper, in that like Igor Shosturkin waving to the Pittsburgh Penguins after that regular season game. Some people said he was mocking that they were chirping, but we all think he was giving them the big wave. And last year, the one time, pro- I don't know it was because he thought the Montreal series was, they had it in hand, but Austin had that big smile when he was getting roughed up. So on one sense, you're kind of going, okay, it's good he's not being drawn into a penalty because you don't want your best player off the ice. But it kind of was like, no, you got to show a little bit, grip, little bit of grit, a little bit of jam. And I mean, even that two-game suspension was some kind of jam, you know, almost like a, a, a coming of, you've talked about it before, a guy like uh, Joe Thornton would pick certain moments that he'd just get pissed. And all of a sudden, a reminder that he can play a physical game. I'm talking in his prime. And same the other game you're right about, rather than, Austin up against the boards, kind of smiling as he's getting roughhoused a bit. He's the guy that got the good little hit in there. And the, and the play that he made uh, when Pat Maroon came around and it kind of hooked onto him and he looked like he was maybe going to try to do something similar to Sherratt did him and he threw the elbow up near his head. So 
I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's taken much of this crap anymore. I think he's kind of gone to a different level. I mean, he led the team in hits last game. He was up to seven. I mean, in on the four check, game winning goal, everything you want from him. More of it tonight. You just mentioned officially up for the heart. Yes. Shesterkin as well. McDavid McDavid as well. I think it's going to be a close vote. I think it's good because really it's been Connor McDavid's almost getting acclimated the last number of years. I don't don't think it's going to be that as close as... You think it's McDavid all the way? Or Matthews all the way? Matthews all the way. That's my pick. That's my pick. And I think it'll just come from a sentimental kind of feel from the majority of the writers who Mm -hmm. probably are Leaf fans. Oh come on! Oh, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think there's more. I think there's more uh, writers that there's more writers that want to be perceived just, as non-Leaf fans that just, would vote for him, so they, they don't look looking, like it. And it, it's it's not like it's it's a hard decision to give it to a guy that's scored sixty goals. Yeah. And you know we've broken down in the last week and a half, John Cooper, uh, and and not at times giving the Leafs credit, and we'll get into that uh, a little later, but. He did comment on Austin Matthews and his heart nomination. Let's have a listen to what John Cooper thinks. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard in this league to score sixty goals. That doesn't. I mean, when's the Stammer last one to do it? Who did it before him? Ov in what year? Oh eight. So we've had two in the last. Um, but those are they're all like worthy candidates it's too bad because this is a year that you know, you look down and say gosh huberto's name's missing from that list not saying he would have won um johnny gaudreau and his plus a thousand i mean he probably could have been in there there's a lot of guys who are worthy of being in there so i i think any one of them can win but i always say i mean scoring 60 scoring 60 that's pretty good that's where the majority of the writers are just going to get away with what cooper just described mm-hmm I hope so. I, I I think he has earned it, and uh, yeah. So ten years ago with Stamkos, he uh, Cooper wasn't coaching them then, and then ten years before that, Ovechkin, and just uh, like like anyway, I don't need to go extolling the virtues of Austin Matthews. No. And, like he just learned about I, I kid about being a pickpocket because the way he skates now and and strips people of the puck, like the, the the other areas of the game that he's so improved on. And I know Connor McDavid has the blinding speed, which is. You know, everyone's got pretty blinding speed, but Connor McDavid's at a different level. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I hope Austin gets it. Well, and and another burning image for me in Game Five was what you just described on the game-winning goal. His game-winning goal was influ- uh, influenced by the fact that he he hunted down Ryan McDonough, pretty good mm-hmm. defenseman yeah. in his own right, and turned it right up uh, on a two-on-one and. That's the physicality of of what an Austin can bring besides the 60 goals. John Cooper had a lot to say on that as well, the physicality of, of Matthews. Let's have a listen. Ah, uh, Listen, he's a, an elite player in this league, and they've got some elite players, and so do we. Um, he's throwing his weight around. He's a big body. Um, really doesn't have too much of an effect on us. Our job is to keep him off the scoreboard. And uh, sometimes we have, and sometimes we haven't. Uh, clearly, he had a big goal for them. I mean, that's bad on us that we gave a two-on-one to arguably their two top players uh, with six minutes to go or whatever it was. Again, that's on us. But takes guys to finish, he finished. Uh, but Austin throwing his weight around, that's not, no bearing on us. Bit of a role reversal at times. You know, 
for me anyways, over the months, I'm like, uh, don't need a pinch there. Don't need to gamble there. The Leafs left it for Tampa Bay to make that mistake. Yeah. And, and you bring up Kucherov, which is a great example about him not being Matthews or Marner. You know, that level of consistency. And uh, uh, you're, you're right. It's the things. And does it, does it mean you can get that all-important fourth game? You know, because Tampa Bay's done that eight times the last two years, got a fourth game of a playoff series to hoist the cup. So that's the next challenge to happen. But you're right about all those other little things that we never really saw against Montreal because it was funny. It was like there was a dominance when the Leafs were up early, and then the last three games are kind of a blur that they seemingly couldn't do anything right. And this time, good habits. I, I used that as a mantra in the regular season on Leafs Nation and just, you know, developing good habits, repeating good habits, and by and large, that that's a lot of, a, a big reason for their playoff success so far. What do you think of uh, the job of both coaches here? Uh, because we know, uh, Gord, we've been around long enough. There's there's two there's two jobs out of a head coach. It's the one that uh, controls or helps the players on the ice, and then there's that that narrative job of dictating where you may go to influence the media, uh, the league at times, the officials. Mm -hmm. How do you see these, this overall job, Cooper versus Keefe? Because we have seen momentum change, and it's sometimes it's one guy getting the upper hand on the other, and then it, uh, sure enough, comes off a loss and, and things change. But where are we with both these guys going into game six? I know Sheldon's happy that 24-7 series isn't going on. All or nothing, baby. So I think uh, that put a lot of pressure on the coach because everyone else kind of disappeared in the playoffs. He was just the, the guy out there. That must have been exhausting. Hey, John Cooper's walked the walk. So, you know, he's got a lot of cachet. He's got a lot of credibility. You know, he's... You can even tell by his, you know, after the game when he said, well, we, you know, a couple of times we made it easy on them. And some Leaf fans go, well, that pisses me off. What do you mean made it easy? Well, no, he's like, he's got everything in perspective, okay? Like you have when you've been on a, a good team when it, about winning the series, winning that fourth game. Sheldon Keefe, when he didn't um, change the lineup and uh, he got asked that question about Justin Hall starting in, uh, in, Tampa, in Tampa Bay, that first shift, and it actually was a good question. And it was good for him to stand up for his player because that that they just got overwhelmed in that first shift and that set the negative negative tempo for a game they lost. But he stuck to his guns. Uh, next time, didn't make the changes. And I just, you know, winning the Calder Trophy in the American Hockey League is a big trophy to win too. It's it's that kind of journey. And I I, I don't know. Uh, I've heard you talk as well. Like I I don't know Sheldon Keefe, I, I but I've been impressed by his coaching. I've been and I've been I've been impressed by his coaching. Like there's a, there was a lot more learning on the job, and I think last year nobody seemed to want to wear the the collapse, but everyone needed to wear it, starting from Brendan Shanahan to Dubas to the coach to everybody. And he seemed to get a, set it up, you know, from the word go. Well, they had the terrible start, but then after that, trying all different kinds of things out, figuring out what more can I do. Um, and you've seen it more the way he's moved the lines around a bit during the game, like more of a more of a jockey, a bench jockey when the game's going on. You just watched Tampa Bay close out this regular season where they were where they went through a stretch in the last six weeks where they were horrific, and then they got it going at at the very end. Mm -hmm. And now you see the one on one off uh, throughout this series, and you just wonder now if you're John Cooper, 
and you've got all that veteran savvy, back-to-back Stanley Cups. How much do you need to say going into this game? How much would John Cooper have to, say, motivate this group? I mean, is that possible that you still may – he may still have to go there and, and pull one card, you know, out of his uh, suit jacket? Well, it's funny. Lou Lamorello said his New York Islanders need a new voice. And Barry Trotz had all that success. Barry Trotz got fired by Washington when he won a Stanley Cup. You, you, you never know. And so would the Tampa Bay guys be saying, you know what, I'm a little annoyed that Coop isn't coming, coming hard on us, isn't whatever. Or if he starts trying to do that, will they start rolling their eyes? We got, a, we, got a, uh, we got a John Cooper on motivating his group. Let's have a listen to him and we'll, we'll react. Ooh, it's, uh, you know, in times like these, um, I think I've learned with this group, you know, we're kind of all in this together. I, I don't, there's no special buttons I need to push to, to get them to go. Um, I don't think it's, this hasn't been an effort series for us. Uh, we've just, I think I've said it till I'm blue in the face, um, when we've made mistakes, the Leafs have made us pay. And good on them for doing that. Uh, I just think if we take that out of our game or we limit, you know, a little bit of the self-destruction on our part, I think we'll give ourselves a chance to win. Can't guarantee we're going to win, but we're definitely going to show up tonight, I'll tell you that. All right. Did, 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 did we hear correctly? Bit of credit. A li- first time in the series. He said good on them. Yeah. Listen, they did. I, I got to tell you, I respect the hell out of John Cooper. I've really enjoyed listening to him uh, when I've been putting together stuff for this show. But boy, do I want the Leafs to beat this guy. Because <laughs> he's just got this, I mean, this earned arrogance about him. This Stanley Cup champions two years yeah. in a row. You think he's arrogant? Yeah. Uh, I just, oh, I don't think he's I thought, arrogant. I'm being a, not arrogant. I don't think he's well, arrogant. to your opinion. I don't, don't, think, he's, I don't just... think he's arrogant. I think he has an arrogance oh, about yeah. him. I, I absolutely see like, it. It's just he just... knows he's the coach of the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. That's... He's Whatever he said in this series, we've talked about it, has come true. He talked about them scoring on Jack Campbell the next game to go out and shoot all these pucks by him. Think about all the greats, Scotty Bowman. Uh, yeah, after right? so, Mike uh, Babcock after winning uh, in Detroit. Yeah. It's just it's it's an automatic to well, the, that arrogance Sammy's talking about. Well, w- w- in where and you and I remember is during the half season lockout uh, that the American Hockey League playoffs got covered a lot more. You remember, you remember that because the Mar- and the Marlies yes. went a long run. You led the charge too who on co- that. I, I, who, my rinkside days. Yes. Who was coaching the Norfolk team? John Cooper. That's right. And John Cooper said, "Wow, I got the Toronto media here. The Maple Leafs never made the playoffs, and the Marlies are going all the way, and they're getting covered like an NHL team." And he had Palat, and he had oh, yeah. uh, he's, he had a yeah. whack do- to Johnson, and he had a few of those Yanni guys. Gord. Yep. Yanni Gord, Gord, yep. Johnson, you name it, whack of guys, and uh, he really played the media very, very well. And kind of what, it was him against Dallas Akins. Dallas Akins was the hot commodity then. Uh, he's still coaching in the NHL, but in the, in the case, yeah, Coop. So I, I know what you mean. Like after, I don't know how many people are humble enough that their bleep doesn't stink after they get success. And all you're getting is people kissing your butt, all that. Just, it's, it's a surreal world. And a lot of people will say after the fact, yeah, I actually don't like the person I was when, you know, you went, look, look at Mike Keenan. And I, I like Mike Keenan. But the many, the many shades of Mike Keenan, the guy that ran the New York Rangers, yeah. then went to St. Louis. And then because he was bigger than anything else, it didn't work out there. And then there was the, okay, 
softening and, and maybe some better coaching stops along the way after. Yeah, those guys pay a, a big price to try to squeeze the most out of you. Mm-hmm. And if it, uh, if it goes well, it's the home run. And if it doesn't, you're a man on an island striking out. Pat Burns would say, you know, we're chatting on the bus all the time. And he'd bring up something, he goes... Squeeze the lemon, squeeze the lemon dry. And that's what, that's what he thought of a player. Yeah. That's, hey, I got Nick Kiprios. I love him, but I'm going to squeeze everything I can get out of him. And then I'm putting that, the grind in the garbage can. And next year I'll get someone else to replace Nick Kiprios because that's the fact. The one thing that I also got out of just listening to John Cooper is when he says it's, it's not an effort issue, right? It's not about effort. Then, but there has to be something else. There has to be something what else. What about the mental the, part? The mental uh, exhaustion, the physical exhaustion. We are talking about a team that uh, has played roughly, what, 40 more games than the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last two years? Yeah. And, and look, in what, under what circumstances? So if you factor in those circumstances and the, and the, and the, wear and tear and the, and the uh, emotional stress level, mm-hmm. it could feel like it's 60 or 70 games. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I really it, think it, the mental part. It's, it's at some yeah. point, Cooper's got to understand that he's dealing with that lemon theory of so, squeezing. So how I, much is, is there? How much is, is left in game six? Mm-hmm. And if, if they lose to a, a more youthful enthusiastic hockey club like the Leafs. It's just, it's run its course, maybe. Well, for now, they could be like Chicago and, you know, come back and win another one. L.A. didn't win two consecutive, but I, you, I, I just... You always want to give them the benefit of the doubt as champions, for sure. And and the way they've kept the uh, the well pumped, right? Keep young players, keep coming. They've done a really good job making some trades and, and drafting, but, yeah, I, I just... You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an analogy, and I hate when people do make a first-person analogy talking about me playing basketball at George Vanier Secondary School. But the point I'm going to say, okay, <laughs> no, point I'm going to say is in grade 12, I went out, and the coach kind of said, like, I don't really don't have a basketball player's body, Kipper. I don't know if you know. But, uh, I see um, a little Charles so, Barkley there. Is, yeah, so, so coach, coach, Clank, coach Clink, he was a really good guy. So he just said, look, our practices are 7 a.m., and as long as if you show up, you're on the team. So like 30 people went out, and by the end of the first week, there were 11. And I was the 11th guy. Like, I rarely got to play. I, I remember when our... our like rough mouth. Well, kind of. And I remember actually we were in overtime, and somebody fouled out and looked, and who's, I'm the only guy on the bench. And he goes, pass the ball to Donnie. Donnie Campbell, our big... And I was nervous, right? So anyway, I did the season. Every time the alarm went at whatever, say 5.30 in the morning, I walked to George Vanier and whatever. Okay, fine. Next, next year, I went to the first practice... And then I realized my head's not in it again. I, I, I'm just saying, that's a minor thing, but I'm just saying I mentally can't do this again. You know, just just like that kind of experience, whatever. I'm not saying that's like a two-time Stanley Cup champion, but in some ways, they're thinking that you're doing it, you're giving it what you gave to get the two other Stanley Cups, but maybe you're not. Because look what you have to do. you got 31 other teams going at it, and you got to come up with 16 exemplary, hard-fought wins exhausting in the playoffs and you've done it twice and in your mind you're in the same place but you're really not quite in that place and when you're not quite in that place uh there's other peoples that are going to take that place i think um excellent comparison by the way Gordon. wasn't bad that no, wasn't, not no, lame, no, not lame. no 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 it was okay. solid it okay, was good. Of, uh, vanier viking that's it yeah so 
I did score a few baskets too. I never played in, ba- in blowout games. I could, I could, I could let this body fool you. I never played a game of organized hoops in my life, but I will say that I think there's a natural. I know they've won Stan, two Stanley Cups, and they're you know going for history, going for a three-peat or whatever. But I think there is something to the fact that they can allow themselves to get a little bit comfortable, knowing what they've done, where they're at, where they're at with their team. And the Leafs can't get comfortable. They know the stakes of losing again in the first round. The stakes for both of these teams in this game tonight are extremely different, in my opinion. The Leafs have the highest stakes possible, and the Lightning have this little seed of, you know. The lowest. They're think, Exactly. They're thinking about, may, oh, maybe they're thinking about going to Cobb. Well, they're already in Florida, so it doesn't really matter. They can, go, <laughs> they can go to their beach outside their house. But there's just a little bit different in terms of what these guys are thinking going into tonight's game, in my opinion. So there was this one episode of Happy Days <laughs> where Ralph Mouth is on the basketball team. Do you remember this I one? I do. I do. And he's on the bench and the coach goes to him, Mouth, you're in. And he goes to take his track suit off and he's wearing his street clothes. And he looks at the coach. He goes, what? I never play. <laughs> that wasn't you, was it? No, I was okay. ready. Good. No. Good. Yeah. All right, Sammy, I want to pick up... <laughs> I want to pick up it's on gone off the rails. I, I just it. want to pick up what you said before I took it off the happy yeah, day yeah. rails. <laughs> and that is where the Leafs are looking at this, even though that they're up three, two and they're reminded of the stakes. I want to go a little further to tell you where, where I really believe these stakes are, especially when it comes to maybe Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. They have to close this out. I, I would think if I'm Sheldon and maybe even Kyle, like my job's on the line on this one. I cannot survive if I don't close this series out. Well, Bruce Cassidy's in the same boat. He's an excellent coach. Uh, and we go back to Barry Trotz and everyone is understood. Four years, it's, it's a pretty good long run. And that's the kind of pressure. That's why they're paid well. And uh, I, like, they're on the verge. If they win this, it's going to be like Stanley Cup. It's mm-hmm. like, like, that's why when people talk about how, how hard it is to play in Toronto, I, di- I take issue with it. It's difficult that you get recognized all the time. You don't have that anonymity. But if you get a little bit of success, people go nuts. They really, really do. They absolutely do. So it'll be like a mini Stanley Cup if they win. Otherwise, when See, you're thinking I, of, I, I hate that. What? You hate what? I hate that it's uh, a first-round win would be a mini Stanley Cup. I know, but that, Sammy, that's you've not said this, too. I hate it, too. I, I, I know, it's, but it's true. I think it's gross. But, but that, that's no pressure. I'm like, saying it's the opposite of pressure. There's actually very little pressure on you to succeed. Well, raise the bar, people. <laughs> Understood. But they've tol- but tolerated 18 years without a playoff series win, sellout crowds, uh, record network uh, TV deals, all that. That's just it. That that logo, that logo reigns supreme uh, in hockey world. God, I, I, I hope the the twenty players aren't listening to this show right now because you get past the two time Stanley Cup champions, and if you take a look around, it has to feel like the hockey gods are sending us a message because this could be the two top teams right now in the East mm-hmm. going at it. When you look at what's going on between the Rangers and Pitt and where Sid is, and yes, Carolina seems to have uh, an edge on Boston, but 
they still got major questions in net, and so does Washington and Florida. My goodness, Bobrovsky, same same song and dance this time of year. Like for the Leafs, they get through this, they should think, man, this isn't about celebrating a first round win. This is about now thinking we can we can do this. Okay, well, talking to the players, and they are listening right now, is, no, we're not saying they should accept it and rest on their laurels. I got to think the, the pressure being off, that they're going to seize them off. That's why I have picked them to win the Stanley Cup. It's the only time I've done that. My biggest worry is this, this playoff round. But now it's a double full thing. You've finally, finally won, and nobody talks about it anymore. Uh, winning that playoff series, you slayed the Dragon, the, the two-time Stanley Cup champions. And all of a sudden, so there should be an air of confidence, be able to relax a bit, but you don't relax in giving up. Hey, seize the moments. This may be your best opportunity I, ever. I don't think the players are thinking what the fans are thinking in terms of it being the Stanley Cup. These guys have higher aspirations. All you ever talk, hear Matthew say is, job's not done, job's not done. Every time he was asked about 60, job's not done. Every time he got the chance to say that this year, that's what he said. I don't think the players are thinking, oh, we finally won the first round, let's mail it in. But for a fan base that has just been tortured by this first round curse thing that they have to hear from other fans and other teams just crapping all over them, it's a huge thing for the pressure of the fan base and for the pressure of the team, and that all goes together. The first round gets lifted off your shoulders. You become a different team. You go into the second round with this sort of renewed, not freedom, but renewed feeling where you're like, okay, we got through this thing that everybody said we couldn't do. They did that, and then the sky's the limit after that, in my opinion. We've got Keith Jones, former NHLer uh, and current analyst on TNT. He's going to join us after the break. And in the second hour, Mark Spector, uh, senior columnist with Sportsnet.ca, is going to help us tee up the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings and the pressure on McDavid to have another heroic night mm. with maybe some better goaltending. So we'll get into that as well. As far as um, some different looks going into game six tonight, uh, let's talk a little bit about specialty teams. And, man, if the Leafs can get a, an early power play goal, how much would that go to closing this series out for them? And if if they do, Gord, who's starting on that power play at the point, is it Mark Giordano or is it Morgan Riley? Boy, Giordano, what a, what a great pickup. And again, that's some of the, the tweaking I've talked about. You know, Sheldon, Sheldon keeps kind of reading the bench, reading the situation, flipping Austin Matthews' role on the power play. Um, I'm, like, like, I'm huge on Morgan Riley. I'm, I'm huge on Morgan Riley. But, you know, if the Giordano tweak is working better, and um, I'd, I'd be fine to go with it, whatever works best. Because you're, you're uh, it's so... Morgan Riley, like I said, it's funny. When Tyson Berry came, you thought he was going to supplant Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's had his best year since he got got the score to twenty goals. So I still like I like how he's coming in kind of on the side sometimes, it's like he's being the extra guy. So I'm still fine with Morgan Riley, but I did like the tweak. I mean, who would you start? Yeah, I I, I like Morgan Riley as yeah. well. The the one thing that I've always said that is is missing in his game is a shot, a threatening shot. And uh, apparently Sheldon Keep may feel the same way. Let's have mm -hmm. a listen to Sheldon Keep on our Kipper's Clipper on his PP1. Yeah, just 
You know, just in the game, just just wanting to try a different look, uh, different look there. With, you know, with, with Gio's uh, shot, and um, he's a little more willing and pro more programmed to just direct the puck at the net. You know, Morgan all season has been more of a distributor for us at the top there, so it was really, you know, just with that in mind. Well, and if if you're known as a more of a distributor, well, guess what? So. <laughs> Your opponents know that as well. Mm -hmm. And it makes it that much tougher on, on Matthews and, and Marner. So that's what I just said. He brought, he brought up your point. He brought up the shot. And but, I... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So I was just saying then there was Dion Phaneuf, Sam, who shot, oh, but he would my. fracture your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> or, point. or bang it off the end glass or break yeah. your leg. Uh, he, bro he broke an arm, didn't he? Oh, I think he broke Lupo's arm, didn't he? In the yeah. front of the net? And I he got so. JVR once. Yeah. He, that was a weapon in the not the right kind of way from the point. But the thing he noticed with Gio, and I guess, was it two power plays that they had him at the on the first unit? It's just a little bit more decisive in terms of it's going towards the net or it's going to 34. It's happening just a touch quicker, which I think they probably like. I think they probably start Morgan again tonight and then maybe make the adjustment again. But I was very interested to see them go to Giordano in that spot. And you're right, Gordo. What a trade. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like how, I mean, we've talked about their record since they made that trade. They didn't have to give up the first round pick to do it. I mean, they got Colin Blackwell in there who's been useful as well, scored, scored a goal in this series. That's probably one of the better trades done at the deadline by Kyle Dubas. No question. Uh, the added depth was much needed. Doesn't seem like they need any heroics of, out of anyone in particular, but are getting a job uh, done as a as a group in in general. Uh, do we have a Morgan Riley clip on uh, on what he thinks going into tonight? Yeah, he had some good stuff to say about the pressure of heading into tonight. So maybe nice, you can listen to that. Um, all people deal with it differently. I think for me, I think you just try to enjoy it. Um, you know, you don't get these opportunities every day. Um, and, and, and being in this position, we're very lucky. And, uh, I mean, the challenges, the challenges that we face, um, you know, with pressure involved, I think is, is, is a real privilege. And I think it's a lot of fun. So I think you try to enjoy the moment, try to make the most of it. And, um, you know, obviously winning is going to help. Longest tenure on the team, Martin yeah. Riley. And if, if they are able to close it out, he'd be one of those first guys you think of, of the number of tries. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and, and again, that Easter Sunday Boston game, he scored the goal, gave him a one nothing lead in game number six when they could have closed it out. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, that game, I don't know if you remember the game very well, Kippy, in, in the sense that they had a one nothing lead, and then it's like somebody unplugged the Ener Energizer bunny they took a couple of bad penalties. Remember, they had two. I think they had two power play goals in the first period. They two yeah, one or something. Yeah, and Hyman went out with a face off, and he had a cracked ankle or something. Yeah, and yeah. So just weird stuff. But but they just lost. What happened against Montreal? Same thing. Columbus, like wow, these are the biggest games of the year, and that's so so, so that's what can't happen in Game Six and Game Seven. It's possible they gotta they gotta at least battle a game like all all these other Game Sevens and that Game Five against Columbus. You you didn't leave the end go. Like, you know, 1993, Doug Gilmore and the Kings. Gretzky's having a great game and Leafs battle right to the end. If there's 20 more seconds, Gilmore would have scored and tied it again, you think? that That's that's a minimum they got to have this year. Uh, I'd kick myself if we didn't squeeze this in the first block, and that's just where are we with Jack Campbell going into tonight. It doesn't need to be stated that this is the biggest game of his career, but how confident are you feeling now with Jack on on the on the very best of Jack in the first half of the season 
and those challenging times in the back half? I don't know. I, I don't know. I hate goaltending. Oh, I, I teed you I, up better I, than I, that. I, I hate goaltending. I hate thinking about goaltending. We've talked about goaltending more than anything this year. I gave Jack Campbell $6 million for six years on a contract. I just... You still may have to if he... Just, I don't... Just be, you know? just be good tonight. I, I don't know. I hope he's good. He's been, He was really great after he let in the two to start that game in game five. I thought he kept the minute for long stretches. Just be good tonight. The, the way he handled that uh, that that pull in game four and, and saying the right things, Gord, has this set himself up to, to be as, as good as he can be? Yeah, I think so. Like he's like... Finally, I keep keep comparing it to Curtis Joseph and Ed Bell for those six years of that kind of goaltending that we've not seen in Toronto for 18 years, and he's given it. And and, and this series, he didn't give it against Montreal. He didn't. He was he wasn't a difference maker against Montreal. But Carey Price edged him in goal. But it, what goaltending wasn't the difference here, going against Vasilevsky, and he comes up and he's, he's been the better goaltender. It, it, Anybody could be a better goaltender if if you're going up against a guy with an 880 save percentage. This is not Vasilevsky uh, of of two years now. This is a guy who has been very inconsistent when it comes to carrying uh, the play like he has in the last two years this time of year. And at the end of the day, is Jack not kicking himself that he couldn't close out against a goalie that has a 3-6 Goals against average and an 880 save percentage. You're talking about this playoff, though. Yes, yeah, I'm talking okay. about this series. Yeah, but the regular season. No, I'm talking about this series. If Jack Campbell can't beat out a guy with an 880 save percentage, something's seriously wrong, isn't it? So, well, that's what it is, right? Okay, last year when they beat the Islanders, Game 7, that one nothing win, Tampa Bay, I never seen a one nothing game that looked like it was 10 nothing. It wasn't just Vasilevsky. It was the way the Tampa Bay... You remember that how the Tampa Bay Lightning played? Now, part of it, the Islanders didn't have a ton of firepower either. But I, this isn't that Tampa Bay Lightning team this year. You know? that. And you're right. This isn't Vasilevsky. And this isn't that one like with the one-goal lead that just looked like it was insurmountable. So... I'm still big on Vasilevsky, though. I'm still really big, oh, but, I, but I'm bigger on Jack... You'd be nuts to write him off. I, but, but Jack Campbell, uh, under pressure, the, the save on Paul in when they're coming back 3-1, 3-2, and they didn't... They didn't collapse. He made the huge save. His timing of his big saves. Is and then last game, if you have to look back and realize how many big saves he made when they're down 2 nothing, because I think a lot of fans kind of just said, oh, well, they're going to lose this game. And then they win it, and you look back, oh, man, they should have been down 4 nothing. Sammy. And the great save. Big Vass scares the crap out of you, doesn't he? Oh, he did head into the series. I feel a little less worried after this first, but, it, I mean, he's got a... 50 save shutout in him at some point, right? You'd have to think. So maybe it's not going to be tonight. Hopefully they can prevent that one from happening. Fingers crossed on that one for all in Leaf Nation. All right. That was a lot we chewed off there, Gord. Love it. All right. That's why it's Leaf Nation. That's why it's a real kipper. Well, uh, real Gordo. Well, real Gordo. 100%. All right. When we come back, as promised, Keith Jones, former NHLer, current analyst on TNT, he'll help us shape up Game six tonight and uh, a few more around the league. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're glad you're aboard wherever you're following or listening on our YouTube channel. Man. We had almost 2,000 
viewers. And we've been off for the last little while, but we're we're glad you're back and we're glad you're aboard wherever you're getting your your podcast as well. Give us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. And another guy that we, we love to hear from, Keith Jones, joining us now. Uh, Jonesy, how are you, pal? Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm going to start you with this. All good things must come to an end for Tampa Bay, and that includes avoiding back-to-back losses. True or false? Uh, that would be false. I, I just don't see it happen, Kipper. These, uh, this Tampa Bay team is extremely organized. They know what it takes to win, and they're going to come out with a great effort here. Okay, let me just get a crying towel for Sammy. Hold on for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what about Leafs win uh, uh, for 40? Uh, Keith, what about game seven? If this is a game seven. What are you saying? Uh, 50-50 chance, Gord. All right. Okay. Well, let's... Uh, let... no, nothing better than that, but that's what it is. Okay, let's focus in on, on game six here. Uh, and, and where do you point the direction that Tampa will not let tonight slip? Where, where does it start for you? Does it start with the, the mentality of a, a John Cooper or does it just go uh, to, to the, the firepower of Point, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, or is it Vasilevsky? Where, where's your first thoughts? So I, I start with coaching with John Cooper. Uh, I then move to goaltending with Vasilevsky, who's better than Campbell. I then moved to Braden Point, who I think has to get one of those games under his belt that he is still proving that he's one of the best playoff performers that we've seen in the last 10 years. Uh, he hasn't had that game yet, and I would bank on him having that type of game here tonight. They are a team that has superstars in every position, and they also have leadership and guys like Stamkos, Corey Perry, Pat Maroon, I, I just do not see it tonight that they take a step backwards and don't find a way to win this game. So saying all that, and I respect that, I certainly understand, they've closed series out. They've closed four, eight of them out the last two years to win Stanley Cups, and the Leafs haven't closed one out in 18 years. But why is Tampa Bay down 3-2 and theoretically on the precipice of being eliminated? Too many men on the ice. Some really badly timed penalties. They've given life to a team that after game four, Gord, I would have said they had no chance of coming back, the Maple Leafs, because that was a, I was at ice level for that. And this team hides their emotions well, I can tell you that, because I just did not see what I needed to see from the Leafs in game four to make me feel confident that they would have a, find a way to win the series, let alone win the next game. So they did that. So I give them credit for that. There's no doubt about it. But I just don't uh, see Tampa slipping here this evening. Jonesy, we've been around the game a long time, and we've probably led a few too many minute, uh, too many men penalty uh, on a on an occasion. But the one that got me was in in Game Five, was watching Tampa have the puck behind the net, and and still find a way to have too many men on the ice. I, I thought that was just one of the strangest type of penalties I've ever seen where there isn't mayhem in, in front of benches. There's not bodies being blocked off. There's not a puck and, and a debate on whether to touch it or not. 
it was just so nuts that that could happen. And I'm, uh, I'm wondering if, if there isn't any thought at all that this is just a team that's mentally tired or it's just uh, th- that, that, that sharpness that's needed this time of year. It's, it's, it's been missing consistently maybe for six or seven, eight weeks now out of Tampa. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a great point, Nick, and that may come into play here as well. Uh, it's why I give the Maple Leafs a chance to win the series when it heads back to Toronto because Tampa has made a lot of strange, un-Tampa-like mistakes in this series, and there's been multiple shifts where they've been in their defensive zone for really long periods of time where they've relied on Vasilevsky more than they you know, normally would in previous seasons, at least the last couple. But mental mistakes like that, and too many men on the ice penalty, you know, that, that will be the story of this series if the Maple Leafs find a way to win you know, a game here in the last two because Tampa simply did not make those mistakes in the playoffs over the last two cup runs that they had. So it's a point well made. I think it should give Leaf fans some encouragement. But I would be holding my breath tonight, and if Toronto wins this game, I'll be very surprised. So, Keith, you got an interesting perspective. Like Philadelphia, we saw when the Raptors played the 76ers, how hard that crowd was on the 76ers. Uh, You're a Toronto-area guy. How do you assess the pressure of playing in Toronto? Because I've always said I think that's a misnomer. I think the problem is you get recognized, you live in a fishbowl. But I think the fans all like if they win this first round, it's going to be like Stanley Cup, okay? That there's not there that it's a different kind of vibe and pressure in Toronto. How would you explain it or quantify it? Yeah, I, I would say, Gord, that it's even greater than it's ever been before because of social media and the players' access to look up and see exactly how everybody's feeling about them uh, from a game-to-game basis, which, as we know, fans are emotional, and that's what makes the game great. But a lot of times they're responding in a negative way based upon the way they feel after any particular moment or any particular contest. I, I think it's very difficult. I do think it's harder to play in Toronto than any other city in this in the National Hockey League. And the number of failures that they've had also kind of contributes to making it that much more difficult. The history of the team makes it easy for people to pile on. And I think that's something that the players have to really do a, a very good job of trying to block out. But I still think it seeps into the back of their heads, and I do think it's a problem for them. We're talking to Keith Jones, uh, TNT analyst, uh, who's bold prediction says that we're going. Yeah, we really can't plug the game. Tonight's game's on the fan. Yeah. <laughs> For all of you that uh, were still interested in the game, uh, pass. Here's go Keith have, Jones' clip. Go have a nice dinner because we're going to game seven. Uh, Jonesy, I got a chance to spend some time with you with the Washington Capitals and then play against you. And I know how you could grade on anybody's nerves uh uh, playing against and I'm just wondering if you were playing today and you saw the way the officials are are making these calls what would that have done to you as a player uh, going from game to game well as you know Nick I would probably be on the wrong end of a lot of those calls <laughs> and heading, <laughs> heading to the penalty box so I would be uh, I would be upset as a player as as a guy who's watching it from afar a lot of the penalties have been penalties and you know, there's obviously been some that have been missed, but I think for the most part, 
I would say a high percentage I've been in agreement with. Um, and I do have the perspective now of being at ice level for some games. I'm upstairs tonight, but I do have that perspective. And I recognize just how difficult it is with the number of moving bodies and parts that are flying around the ice. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. I, but I do think the officials have done a relatively good job so far. So I would have been yelling at them. I probably would have been wrong. But uh, I never took a penalty that I agreed with the official on. So that's my history there. Yeah, they're certainly calling a lot of them in the playoffs the last few years. And, and again, because of your unique perspective. So, okay, worst case scenario, Toronto loses again in seven games. Now, here, uh, I, I don't you know how you deal with it. Uh, out from other places, is it looked at saying, you know what, they got so many positives there, but this is unacceptable. Or do you go to the well one more time? Or no, you, you, you just can't have this keep happening again. I think if they were to lose it like this, if Tampa you know, came back and won the next two games, I think you would have to make some wholesale changes just because that's kind of been the story. When you date, even look at last season with what happened with Montreal, uh, when it keeps repeating itself, I do think you eventually make a change. And this would be pushing it a little bit too far. Uh, and it'd be really difficult to sell that to the fans. Although, as we know, in Toronto, they're going to come back and be Leaf fans still as soon as the first drop of the puck next season. But I, I would think it would lead to changes. Um, I hope that, you know, the coaching staff and the players are focused on trying to steal a win tonight. And most importantly, find a way to win this series and not allow all the negative thoughts to sink back into the back of their minds that, um, you know, would come to the forefront based upon some of the disappointments they've had recently. I was on three teams that lost three to one leads in a series and blew them. All three different teams that I played for Colorado, Washington, and uh, Philadelphia. And I remember when I was heading into the third one, leading three, one against the devils and our team was feeling pretty confident in the back of my mind. I was thinking about a couple of debacles that had happened to me previously. And it's hard not to, block those it's hard to block those thoughts out of your mind so obviously this isn't a 3-1 series I think it's a probably beneficial to Toronto that it was a 3-2 series after being tied up at two apiece I think it would have been even more difficult if they got up 3-1 and then had lost the next game I think all those thoughts would have been more prevalent Jonesy, you've, you've, you're watching every series closely, I know that, but uh, if we stick just to the Eastern Conference, uh, have you seen enough to suggest that out, out of the four series that we've seen so far that the winner of maybe Toronto and Tampa should feel best about uh, maybe being leaned on as, as more of a favorite to, to go deep here based on maybe some of the other inconsistencies of a Florida, Washington, a Boston, Carolina and, and Rangers and Pitts running out of players. Yeah, I, I do think if, you know, if Tampa wins for sure, I'd be very confident that they're going to, you know, have a long run in front of them just because they are the best. Um, if, Toronto wins I would still feel the same way I think they'll gain so much out of this they could do what Tampa did after they kind of slayed the giant and ended up getting over being swept by Columbus going back a few seasons ago I think we're all waiting for that for the Toronto Maple Leafs and I think as long as the Maple Leafs don't believe that they're the favorite that they'll have a better chance of accomplishing the goal at the end of the season as long as they think that they're in a position where it's us against the world 
I think that benefits them. If they take a deep breath and start thinking they're as good as some of, the, as some of their statistics would say, then I think you've got a problem. So let's keep them as the underdog. I've done them a favor going into this game tonight with my prediction. But uh, I, think, I, think, I think they're at their best when people stop believing in them. So, and maybe when they stop believing in, them, in themselves sometimes. Uh, one of your old teams, Washington, now really they should look at a 3 nothing lead they blew against Florida. But if they lose the series, the Hathaway icing play, and I, you know, I'm older guy. I'm still not – we grew up, it was taboo. that it, it, it was the most selfish play you could make, fishing for an empty net goal when you're down by one. I understand now. Uh, now, is it a carte blanche analytical thing? Like, I understand that, okay, if you have no choice but to clear it down the ice, you can feel okay about doing that now compared to decades ago. But, you know, half the way you look at it, he probably has a chance to buffer it off the boards. Do you think they might revisit that? Yeah, Gord, I think it's um, depends who the player is. Like, if it's Ovechkin or Kuznetsov that has the puck on their stick, go ahead and shoot it. <clears throat> if your name's Hathaway, chip it off the boards. I mean, he's a nice player. He does a lot of good things. I think he's a really effective player. But his game isn't putting the puck in the empty net. His game is blocking shots, knocking people over, and he should have the chip play perfected by now. Go chase it down and score in the empty net, but get the puck over the red line. I would have been really unhappy with him if I was a teammate. I think it was a major gaffe, and I think it cost him the series. If if Toronto and or, or Tampa Bay come out of this and, and can maybe be regarded as maybe one of the most or more favored teams to go deep, where do we put Columbia or Carolina? Dangerous. Uh, the the goaltending, of course, I think is going to come into play. And as you guys are well away, well aware, Anderson uh, seems to take a lot of time in getting back into the net whenever he's hurt. So I'm not sure that you can count on him Just to get at this back time in of there. Year. They're, they're going <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. And they're going to need they, they would need his goaltending to have an extended run. They they haven't. You know, the two games in Boston, they did not look like a team that was ready to win a Stanley Cup to me. Uh, I just, they had chances after two really strong games and after dominating the Bruins all season long to put the Bruins away. And especially in game four with McAvoy being unavailable due to COVID protocols. And they didn't get it done. Uh, That worries me about them. So I'm not overly confident that uh, we're going to be talking about Carolina in the Stanley Cup final. So I do think that bodes well for teams like Tampa or Toronto, uh, giving them, you know, their fan bases at least high hopes that they can get on another run. So, Keith, I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot here. I believe I'm remembering correctly, or otherwise this will go over like a lead balloon. So I'm talking to Kippy, and I just say, because, you know, Wayne Gretzky now, the broadcaster, great seeing him on the screen. I think I I asked you a question. I wondered about something, because geographically where you're from. Like, am I correct? You go back with the Gretzkys? I do. I was, I'm in between. I'm from Brantford, obviously. So I, I'm in between Keith and Glenn uh, as far as age goes. So I, I really know Glenny well, and I know Keith really well because of that. And obviously being from the same hometown, uh, I followed Wayne and was there to watch him the first time he returned to Brantford to play a game back in his hometown when he was playing for the Toronto Young Nats, I believe and had a chance to watch that game with Keith and Glenn as well. So it's, it's so awesome to have them on the broadcast. 
I listen to every intermission just to hear what he has to say. And I'm always just kind of taken aback by number one is memory. And number two, the amount of knowledge that he has to pass on the, on to people. I, I think it's really cool. I think it's great, you know, at both networks here in the U S that they've gone out and put superstars on the panels at the intermissions to really open things up, to get more of a perspective on the guys that were relied upon to get the job done and have won multiple Stanley cups in doing it as well. So it's pretty cool. Hey Jonesy, now that we're going to game seven against Tampa and <laughs> Toronto, um, I don't know, know of any good movies I can go see tonight or, you know, maybe I got one for you. I got one for you. Mission impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the, the Leaf fans are going to think they're watching it. <laughs> Very well played, oh, Jonesy. That's a mic drop. Very well played. Ooh. Thanks for doing this, pal. Really appreciate your insight. Hey, the good news is I'll be there for Game 7 in Toronto, so the fans can thank me. Yes. Noted. See you, guys. Keith Jones, TNT analyst. That was uh, interesting, Sammy. Well, well, hey, he sees a lot of hockey. Okay, and that's why you talk about the respect for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's all it is. And love him not sitting right. on the fence. That's what's great about guests like Keith, right? You get some that give the, the they give they got the great voices, and they you know they give the vanilla opinions. And I'm not not, but you know. And how do you not give back to back Stanley Cup champions in in a salary cap era? Yeah. Uh, how do you not give them the benefit of the doubt? To well, extend he's this? The, but he's given them more of the benefit of the doubt. I'm a little surprised, Sam, about like you know, man, Sam is just lying in the fetal well, position over there now. They don't. I mean, talk about the cap era. They don't have a cap in the playoffs. They've been a hundred million dollars over the cap both times they've won the cup. So, oh, I mean, geez, they, let's not do the whiny, uh, whiny woe is me no, stuff. No, Come on, saying, Sammy, saying, you're bigger hey, than that. Not, you're bigger than that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that you know the cap doesn't please matter man. in the playoffs. <laughs> please, man. <laughs> um, but no, I I love that from Keith. Listen, people in the chat are like, oh, you know, he, this guy hates the Leafs. No, he's just no. giving an opinion oh, no, on no. the Leafs. No, no. Because he comes on Toronto Sports Radio means he has to say they're going to win? I don't know. It always comes back if you you love or you hate the Leafs. No, it's just a professional uh, opinion. You're you're watching a team win two, and you know from winning one what it takes, the journey to win one Stanley Cup. And he's just saying he's seen them win two, and he, and he, he knows all about the intricacies there. Okay, before we go to break, but I hope he's wrong. Uh, we I want to pick yeah, up too, a Laura. little. I want to pick up a little bit before we go to break on on the Hathaway uh, mm-hmm. icing that you yeah. you spoke of, and I am with you on in a perfect world. I don't want icing, but here's here's where I, I saw it is that it's three minutes to go. I don't expect him necessarily to uh, have the have the the perfect. Uh, dump out where it keeps the play going and we're not going to end up with a, another whistle. If it's a minute to go, then I'm trying to avoid one last whistle. But with three minutes to go, I, I know I got to win a big draw at some point, Gord, in, with three minutes to go. I, I know that it's coming. If it comes now or if it comes with 45 seconds to go, three minutes is enough time for me to not absolutely hate that icing. I hate it. I hate it all the time. All the time. And uh, uh, I'm You're like saying, Justin, you know, you didn't listen to a word I said. <laughs> I listened to a word you said. I broke it down. You three minutes and one minute thing. I just mean, if you have a chance to get it out, 
because you still have a chance to score the goal. If you've got the puck, they're 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 back on their their butts. Okay, so I'm not saying you just get it out and leave it there and go. Okay, you guys, no, but just the 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 fact now that on the offensive zone you get to pick which side you want the face off on. You know all these things. Uh, there's no risk of, um, you know, basically it's automatic icing. So it's not even like one of your wingers could go down and try to beat them and, you know, plan play that way. Uh, I just, and, and I, but I agree if you're hard pressed where in our day too, you're hard pressed, you go, Oh my God, if I ice it, I'm going to get in crap. Right. And back then they take you off the ice. I guess now, now you can't make the change. So I respect what you have to say, Kip. Oh, Why don't you talk to the that. Buffalo Bills people about the squib kick they should have kicked instead <laughs> oh, of kicking the end zone? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're digging Poor deep Bills. now. I know one. some wounds. Some Poor wounds. Bills. All right. What well, do you think, Sam? Just quick before we go to break. I I think at the end of a game, you have tired brain and you're seeing how close you are to going up to three one, and you're thinking, I'm doing this right now. And if I go, it goes in the net, the game's over. We have a chance to upset the president's trophy. And you just overthink it and you shoot it. And it's like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done it. I get why he did it. It's tough. And you're a professional. You have to kind of react and do the right thing. But he probably was tired brain. End of a game. Just wanted it to be over. And he kind of screwed him over. So it's a tough one. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We got Mark Spector, senior columnist with Sportsnet.ca, who's going to help us tee up the Oilers who are on the road tonight to face L.A., Elimination game with no Darnell Nurse. Ouch. Oh 25 boy. minutes. Oh Where boy. do you but, find but, 25 but, minutes for a stud defenseman that's missing? Before we get to spec, uh, is, that, uh, is that a big enough loss to really think that uh, they're going to lose tonight? Well, it's, it's okay. I don't like using the word dumb. I call it ill-advised. So I'll, I'll use that word. So it, I go back to Shifley's hit. And that seemed to deflate Winnipeg, and there, there goes the series. Uh, in a different degree, I go to Kadri's issues in the playoffs and how, you know, these kind of things have a negative negative impact. And just, this is a weird one because it really went under the radar, didn't it? Uh, nobody commented on it. Deneau, the Kings didn't complain at the time. Deneau didn't fall down. But I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's like a stud D for 25 uh, minutes. Just a just a horrible decision on totally. his part. Just cuff him for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah just punch just, him if you want. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just it's not that hard. Ouch. Hey? Okay. No, where's that? Where's George Perros number? Yeah. The other thing, eh? And and uh, Specter's uh, article, uh, he used the choke word. Ooh. I I, I detest. Ooh, I, did, I can't wait to ask. Like him I about detest that, that word. I detest that. Oh, word. it's horrible word. Horrible. Like it's um. A hockey horrible word. Well, Gerard Glant used the uh, soft word, and the Rangers came back. I think it worked. I didn't have a problem with the word, because Sheldon Keefe said the team played soft. And that's kind of what Gerard Glant said. I think he called them soft and purposeless. Well, purposeless, he said. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Just how we played soft. Played soft. All right. There we go. Semantics. Wait, quick stuff. Way to go, Derek. All right. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We had... Almost 2,000 viewers so far on our YouTube Excellent. channel. And we need most of them to hit the like button for Gord Stellick because he's really insecure. He really <laughs> needs to go home after the show and tell his uh, family how many likes he got. Gord Stellick, real kipper and born after the break.